Greetings. I hope you're having a terrific day. Whatever the day might be, it is, as I sit here, the Friday before Christmas. If you're listening to this podcast after Christmas, I hope you've had a blessed season. If it's not yet Christmas, I hope that these next 15 or 20 minutes will give you some food for thought as you prepare yourself for the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. My name is Sean Barkley. I'm a Presbyterian minister, and every week for about 15 or 20 minutes, we talk about how to live wisely and faithfully in this wonderful world that God has given to us, but a world that is indeed fallen and can be challenging. I'm thinking about waiting today, and in particular, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Often, God does ask us to wait on his fulfillment of his promise in our life, whether that be a promise in our personal life, in our vocation, in our church, in our family. Often, we, we, we just have this sense that God is going to bless us in, in some way, but often God delays, and the longer God tarries and delays, often the more anxious and fearful we become. A couple of months ago, for example, it was a Saturday night. I was getting ready to go to bed. I'm, you know, being a Presbyterian minister, I, I like to go to bed early on Saturday night, get a little bit of sleep for Sunday morning and be fresh. And so my son, who is college age, uh, lives at home, sent me a text and said, hey, I'm out with some friends. And getting caught up, they're in town from out of town and having a great time, but I'm going to leave here around 10, so I'll see you tomorrow morning. Fine and dandy. I mean, he's senior in college. What are you going to do? And so I went to bed, and for some reason, I woke up around 12, 30, 1 o'clock and looked out the window, and he still wasn't home. And immediately, my reaction was fear. Oh, no, something's happened to him. He's in a ditch somewhere. He's in a hospital somewhere. He's been in some kind of terrible accident. Never for a second did I think, he must be having a great time. He must be catching up with his friends. There must be a ball game on late that they're enjoying. Isn't it wonderful that he is having this time? No, my mind immediately went to fear. And I wonder why that is. Have you found that in your life, that when something is delayed, often it triggers fear? I think that in in general... When you and I lack knowledge of a certain situation, like what's going on, fear becomes our default mode. And so let me ask you a question. What are you afraid of? What are your fears? There was a survey of 2,000 Americans conducted this year in 2019, and it was found that we have some fears that are kind of obvious. We're afraid of snakes. 51% of all Americans say, I don't like snakes. I'm afraid of them. We're afraid of heights. We're afraid of going to the dentist. We're afraid of being in confined spaces. We're afraid of clowns. We're afraid of public speaking. I know that I'm afraid of snakes. In my life, I've been bitten three times by a snake. Not the same snake, but three different snakes. You know, one time I was on a golf course. Snake bit me on the kind of above the ankle. Didn't even hardly feel it. So it didn't hurt that bad. It wasn't a poisonous snake. Another time I was working in the woods, clearing some some brush and building a trail and a snake and I scared each other. I reached out for him. He reached out for me and he got me on the hand. And then the last time I got bit by a snake, I was in a boat like sculling around the edge of a a lake and a snake fell out of a tree and we did battle in the boat. And he, he also got me, he got me on the arm. And so, you know, I don't like snakes. I didn't like snakes before I got bit. 
And I certainly don't like snakes after that. But, you know, I don't organize my life around avoiding snakes. But the truth is a lot of us do organize our lives in a way to avoid people, places, and situations that trigger our fears. And the result of that is that our decisions in our very lives are dictated by fear. And God's design is not that we be guided by fear, but that we be guided by faith. If you're not going to get a chance to read the Christmas story, I want to read a short portion of it to you right now from from Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, what? They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. I love the King James Version of this. It says not only that the shepherds were terrified, but that they were sore afraid. Have you ever been so fearful that it made you sore? Well, the story here connects God's message of don't be afraid the message of the angel, with the birth of our Savior. In other words, knowing that you and I have a Savior is God's answer to our fears in life. Now, aside from snakes and heights and clowns, you know, many of us are riddled with fear, and it renders us powerless and joyless and hopeless. As I think about the people I've worked with over the years and looking at my own life, I tend to lump fear into three different categories. One, we have relational fears. We, we fear something's going to happen to our spouse, or we, we fear that we're going to be alone, or we fear that our family is not going to be united. We just worry about being isolated, and we have that fear. Another fear is financial or career-related. Am I going to be okay financially? Am I going to have work Will I be able to retire someday? Will I be able to buy the things I want and the things I need? And the other category that I see our fears lumped into is our physical health. A lot of us spend a lot of time worrying about death and worrying about whether or not we are okay physically. And so these these fears that we have, let's just say our fears in terms of relationships, often if we are afraid of rejection with a relationship, uh, we make very few friends. That's the result. And we arrange our lives around having just a very few people around us. Uh, if we have financial fear uh, and we're afraid of being broke, we might never share our resources with other people and just kind of hoard what we have and live in a very tight-fisted way. If we have a physical fear, if we're afraid of dying, we'll never live. I mean, I've seen that so many times when folks are so paranoid about dying that they do not enjoy life. I remember I once read that when a human being is born, he has, or she has, two fears. Can you guess what those might be? Babies born, two fears. Well, according to the article I read, and it was by someone who I assume would know, one fear is we fear falling, and the other is we fear loud noises. And we learn other fears down the road. Now, it's kind of funny to me. I think when we're old, we fear falling and we fear loud noises as well. But over the course of your life and mine, we learn other fears. 
But the truth is, once we're walking with Christ, God begins the process of helping you and me unlearn our fears. I mean, it's amazing to me that of all the things Jesus said, the New Testament records, fear not or don't, don't be afraid, um, as one of the, the main things that he said over and over again, Jesus said, do not be afraid, do not fear. I mean, beginning with Abraham in the Old Testament, all the way to Moses and then to Jesus, God has consistently told his people, I do not want you to live in fear, trust me. And so if you're waiting on God in your life right now and waiting for God to deliver on some promise that he has made to you and starting to become a little fearful, I want you to consider this parable from Jesus because he talks about what we can do with our fears in the course of living out our life. So that he told his story. A master went on a journey. He called his servants around him and he gave each of his servants some of his property to manage and to take care of. And he called these um, increments of his property talents, which was a measurement of, it was a financial measurement. So he gave each servant a certain number of talents. One servant was given five talents, another servant was given two talents, and a third was given one talent. And then the master went away, and they didn't know when he was going to come back. Well, when the master returned, the servant who had been given five talents doubled those five and now had ten and said to the master, here you go. This is what I've done. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to give you more. The one who had been given two talents earned two more. So he now had four to present to the master. The master was pleased as well. But the third servant who had been given one talent buried that talent in the ground and gave it back to the master. And here's what he said. I didn't multiply the talent because I'm afraid of you. Isn't that amazing that the reason the person did not use the talents given to him was fear? And the message, I think, is clear for you and me. While you and I wait, we're called to use our gifts to invest our God-given talents. Jesus said that God wants us to live abundant lives, rich in love, rich in ministry, rich in meaning, and rich in joy. And so the way to deal with fear is to live by faith and to invest the talents that God has given to you and me. It's a mindset that we have to adopt. You see, in an athletic competition, there's a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. I mean, have you ever watched a ball game and it's clear one team is playing to win, the other team has become paranoid and is playing not to lose. In fact, I've seen it often, a team will get a large lead because they're playing with energy and gusto and they're playing to win. And then they start to think, oh, we're so close. Now we just got to make sure we don't lose. And often that results in defeat because they've changed their mindset. I read an article in a sports journal not too long ago. The number one reason for a tennis player um, not to win when in the lead is that his or her mindset changes from wanting to win points to not making mistakes and they become more consumed by not making mistakes than they are winning points. Do you see the difference there? God wants you and me to adopt this mindset, not being afraid of failure, but being willing to use and invest what he has given to us. That is God's antidote to fear. Another example, I've got a friend of mine who is a wonderful organist, 
And I mean, he's world-class. His name's Rodney. And he says he went through a season in his life when he was consumed with not messing up and playing to perfection because he had a professor that made him kind of paranoid. And he thought the professor was kind of like a tyrant. And he just said, I cannot mess up. I cannot make a mistake. And the result of that attitude was he wanted to quit the organ altogether. Then he changed his mindset. And he focused on enjoying the art of the instrument. And he fell in love with it again. God wants you and me not to live our lives with this fear and this paranoia, but to live our lives with joy and with energy. You know, I, I mean, as a person who preaches a sermon almost every week, I, I know that I stand up in front of hundreds of people. And sometimes I wonder, are they just sitting there critiquing my every word and kind of armchair quarterbacking the sermon? And when I have that thought, it takes the joy out of it. But whenever I stand up there and think, this is, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can't wait to share it, I enjoy it so much more. Is fear slowing you down in your life? Remember Jesus' parable, or remember that, in Jesus' parable, uh, God loves and rewards faith, and God is frustrated by misplaced fear. And so maybe an idea for you to think about as we begin a new year. Uh, why not do some reflection on, on what fears you have in your life and ask yourself, are my fears preventing me from investing my God-given talents? Here's what I like to say. In life, we are called to feed our faith and not feed our fears. And yet so many of us feed our fears. And so think about shifting the emphasis away from organizing your life in such a way that you're just trying to avoid the people, places, and things that trigger fears and embrace the people, places, and practices that feed your faith. Feed your faith, don't feed your fear. You see, God has you and God has me. God says, you belong to me, you're mine. You know, there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. All of them are trustworthy. And so if you're tired of waiting and growing a little fearful, just remember maybe a little bit of the Christmas story. Just before the birth of Jesus, there was a couple. They lived 2,000 years ago, as did Mary and Joseph. And they were named Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were elderly. They were tired. And Zechariah was visited by an angel who promised them a child. The child's name would be John. They would call him John the Baptist. And Zechariah was afraid when he saw the angel. But here's what the angel said to him. Zechariah, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. By the way, the name Zechariah, it means God remembers. God remembers you and me. God's promises, they are sure. Don't be afraid. Don't be paranoid. Don't be worried. If God is calling you to wait, trust that in the waiting, God is doing something in your life so that you will more fully enjoy the moment when he fulfills his promise. Well, that's all I got to say at this point today. And again, thank you so much for being with us at The Well, and I look forward to having a conversation again next year. Have a great Christmas. Goodbye.